dropped his second feature-length documentary, I guess, today. And it's I'm all so proud about, of him. There, there's like the four-note jingle that played a Disney Channel at the beginning mm-hmm. of like every single episode of TV that you watched growing up on Disney Channel. Where, you know, mm-hmm. like they do the, the wand. Dun, 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 dun. Exactly. I couldn't think of it for the life of me before he played it into the thing. I knew, oh. like, I knew the whole, like, I'm, uh, and you're watching Disney Channel. <laughs> Sorry, you're who? I'm, uh, whatever. I'm whoever, <laughs> and you're watching Disney Channel. I could think of that, but I couldn't think of the beat. And there's, like, it's so hidden, like, who actually wrote it that... It it fully is like an investigation into who made it. There's so many Sorry, layers. I couldn't help but hear you were wondering who wrote it, and the answer is Julian Casablancas wrote both the albums. Who? Who what? said that? Oh, ju- ju- who? Oh, sorry. I, I was just, I was walking by. And <laughs> I, I had to make sure everybody knew that Julian Casablancas wrote both the albums. He wrote the Disney one Channel song by Albert Hammond Jr. <laughs> He did the Disney wrote, Channel intro? He wrote no, the, no, no, no. The, the first two Strokes albums. That's what you guys were talking about, right? Right? Wait, I'm sorry, who are you? Is that my conscience after all these years? <laughs> Is this lead guitarist for Isle 5? Oh Is that god. who you are? Oh my god. Oh my Nobody god. Me. Nobody In say the anything. flesh. I can't let him know. Never let him know you're oh. one of folks. Is this a Hannah Montana moment? This is. See, we're back surprise, to Disney surprise Channel. Surprise, it was me all along. Now I definitely don't know who you are. Video <laughs> 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 listeners, the guest has a has put on glasses. <laughs> Does the guest want to want to introduce themselves for real? Because I really I can't recognize them with those glasses on. Well, yes, and the haircut. For real, yeah, for real. My name the- is Malcolm. Uh, what else do you want me to introduce about myself? I can. I can spill uh, all the beans. This yeah, is Malcolm. Malcolm also happens to be from our hometown. That's crazy. It's yeah. like we all went to high school together. <laughs> that would be crazy. Nobody would go to high school together, especially not with you guys. <laughs> we also me. all unfortunately did cross country as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, about that. Keep going, Malcolm. Give yeah. us like your yeah. favorite color, your, what, 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 where, like what you're doing now, on. your social security number, your mother's maiden name, you know, the Next normal stuff. 357-9726-03. Okay, okay write that down. Yep. Did you get the right number of numbers in there? I feel like he was like two yeah, digits that was, short. No, that was my social. <laughs> test it. Figure it out. <laughs> All right. We got it down. We'll test it out later. All right, Malcolm. So, what are you here to talk about? What what are why are you here? I'm here to to just spill some thoughts about two of the most legendary back to back albums ever released. Is this Folklore and Evermore? And Room on Fire. No, those maybe go to the bottom of the list I was thinking about, but that's that's question for another day. That's rough. <laughs> that is rough. Ouch. I mean, after Donda Ouch. and Donda Two came out back to back, you're still putting. <laughs> I don't think you could say Donda Two came out. It's out. It exists it, on the internet, but it didn't it has a out. Wikipedia page with track listings and details about production. I feel like that means it's out. Sure, we'll <laughs> let you have that one, Trey. All right. <laughs> So if I'm uh, if I'm to be believed of what my my uh, my acquaintances have told me, Christina, you actually listened to these two albums earlier today, correct? Yeah. I was not given any <laughs> advance warning about what the topic was. I was told the topic like 30 minutes ago, maybe at that most. may have been purposeful. I I wanted somebody to listen to it with the uh, the mindset that I was going in with, and somebody to just be blind. Now, Christina, the way said, yeah, makes me think that you did actually listen to that. No, no, no. Okay, I did. But I'm going to be completely, this is, oh, this is me being one million thousand trillion percent honest, Malcolm. The first album, they do, in fact, all kind of sound the same. Um, I realize that's really, that's like a really unique 
that's a really unique critique coming from someone. No, that's a really. I was just gonna say that, Shrey. If you're gonna interrupt me, folklore and Evermore. Hey, hey! After after she dropped an album where all of the songs are just different versions of her previous. This is what happens when I try to have a conversation with men. You didn't even let me say what I was gonna say before you said it for me. All right, say it. Say it. I recognize. I recognize. That's like you know, not really a hot take coming from a Taylor Swift stan. But it's like I would listen to it again. I'm sure you're gonna give me some be beautiful a... insight that will make me want to listen to it again. Like I'm here for the conversation. I just I'm giving you my real thoughts. I really liked the second one. I had listened to some of that one before because I know your favorite song ever is on there. My favorite song ever. Because we're besties, isn't it? I feel like if he's saying, if he's questioning it, you don't know what his favorite song is, and it's not on there. Isn't it the besties? I think it's safe to say I don't have a favorite isn't it song the, ever. Is it not on that album? I, I just don't think I have a favorite song ever. The, the song with the You Want to Get the Tattoo. Yeah, that, that's like my favorite lyric of all time. The that's tattoo favorite. song. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I stand corrected. There's a song on that album that Malcolm wants to get a tattoo for. Yes, there is. I'd like the record to be clear. That's what I meant. Sorry. I'd like the record to be clear. I've listened to all of Is This It? I don't recognize each individual song other than Is This It, The Modern Age, and Take It or Leave It. I really like Is This It and Take It or Leave It, especially Take It or Leave It. I have not listened to Room on Fire. This is not my fault. I was not prepared for it. I listened to the first two songs while taking a shit right before this. <laughs> That's really cute. Well, funny enough. My favorite songs... Strokes song. No, go ahead. Go, go. Ahead, go. It's not even. It's not because even on it's, like it's the right album. It's just men that cut off women, right? Yeah. It's never the other way. Around. No, I have a, I have a horrible habit of interrupting people. I'm aware, <laughs> but Malcolm, I just want you to know that my favorite Stroke song is "Thread of Joy." It's a very. And very I'll let you do your thing now. Thank you. Okay. Oh God, I, I have no idea where I should start with this. Um, I guess. So when I when take I us back to the very uh, beginning. The very What's your beginning? relation? The, your relationship with the Strokes and these albums, just, I guess. Well, funny enough, if we go if we go way way back, mm -hmm. I think I heard the song "Reptilia" on like Guitar Hero Three or whatever it was, like way back when when I was in like second or third grade or something. And I remember when I heard that song, I was like, "Damn, I really want to play guitar," and that sparked chain reaction that didn't really culminate to anything until sophomore year of high school like 10 years later when i started learning guitar but that being said it was the first instance i can remember of being like damn i want to play guitar so reptilia was your la la land la la land is huh? the thing for me that made me go like damn i really love movies and i want to make them ah yeah sure yeah we'll, we'll go with that yeah, we, we we will go with that. Because like, did you want to like make music in any way before that, or or like? Because like, did you do any other? Uh, I don't think it had anything to do with like wanting to make music. It was just like, damn, these guys are cool as heck. I, I don't know what the rules are on this podcast. You um, say whatever you want. Fuck. These guys are cool as fuck. I yeah. want to play guitar and play songs like that. It just seems fun. And, uh, that, that is a common review of the Strokes, is that they were just so goddamn cool. Okay. Um, but yeah, so when I was initially uh, asked to be on this podcast, I was thinking, well, what are the things that I am obsessed with? And the Strokes, easy answer there. But I didn't, I didn't know how to whittle that down to not just be a conversation about a band in general. So, you know, who would want to do an episode dedicated <laughs> to just an artist? That would be kind of weird. Oh. <laughs> Especially somebody whose songs apparently all sound the same. <laughs> Sorry, who's the who's the who's the host of the show here? I'm I'm a little confused. I don't know. I, I just walked up on the street and heard you guys talking about who wrote whatever. You know, yeah, we are we are currently just walking through the streets of Chicago in this 
man with some freshly cut lesbian hair just walked up to us and started talking about the stroke. Yes, yes. <laughs> Malcolm looks accurate? like a lesbian confirmed. I've been saying this the whole time. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> You've totally thrown off my... You have a cardigan no on. You have a cardigan on. You're really not beating the allegations, Malcolm. Like hey, You can I cut can... your hair as much as you want. Allegations... It doesn't matter. I'm comfortable, and I'm warm. Period. Period. Go you off, guys King. are in Minnesota. What does that say? Go off, King. I'm in. I'm in the snow belt. We have 15 inches of snow on the ground right now. I'm. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh... Back to the strokes. We're really good at this. Yes, Keep going. Yeah, Got to stop derailing me here. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, w I was debating how I wanted to focus this argument. I was like, well, I could focus it on Room, Room on Fire because that's my favorite Strokes album. And I started to like gather, gather the thoughts that I would like to talk about with it. And one of my favorite things about uh, Room on Fire is that it's like the perfect part two to their debut album, Is This It? And I was like, damn, I really want to talk about that album. And then I was like, damn, I want to talk about The New Abnormal because that's like the, a redux of Is This It? And I was like, okay, that's maybe a bit too much. Mm -hmm. So... I came here to talk about why those two albums, I don't know, just why those two albums, yeah, they're, they're incredible. I don't know. Do, do you have, like, questions or something? I don't know, because I mean, you give me a prompt and I'll talk. I, there's just so much I could say. This is The whole point of this is just you talk and we kind of, like, listen. It's like, you know, what is all the shit that you've wanted to, like, talk about the strokes that normally, like... You can't. You won't have a captive audience like this. Usually, I feel like, right? Like you might be able to converse about no, this I with like, some people captive. Yeah, but here you got all Malcolm. fifteen of our listeners here to listen to you. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Christina. Fourteen of those are my mother listening to it over and over again. Malcolm, my question is: the first time you listened to the second album. The first time you listened to the second album, did you automatically? connected to the first one or was that a realization that came with time i think that definitely came with time and it was because when i first like started actually listening to them in like high school i really only knew the first album and then i heard a few songs off the second album and i was like oh damn this is like also good who would have thought mm -hmm. with those songs being it was twelve fifty one and under control those were the first two i heard other than reptilia of course and it was like, oh, there's there's more to listen to here. But I don't think I really established that connection until listening to their whole like discography as a whole and realizing that those two albums not only sound similar sonically, but like they deal with similar topics. And I've always thought of it as like, is this it? Is like, oh, you're getting ready and you're going to the party and you're at the party as the start of the party. And then Room on Fire is like, once you can feel things winding down and like your sense of reality sets in, you're like, oh, life still exists. It's a great mm -hmm. depression album without being like too depressing of an album, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like I, could, I did get I that. Could, yes. I could be in my feels to that album, or I could be like ready to fucking rock out and just have a good time. So it's kind of it's kind of like one is the runner's high and one is like, you know, right after. One's one's the come down. Yeah, which, the which shin is funny because they also have an album called Come Down Machine, but we're, yeah. we're not talking about that one today. And you said uh, uh, the new abnormal is like a redux of Is This It? Is that what you said? That's a very like plain way of putting it. I was just like in my thought process because the new abnormal being their latest release, a lot of people saw it as a return to form of the first one. And I think those two albums are very similar in some ways, mm -hmm. but that's a different conversation, you know? Gotcha. And so do you, like, would you, you said uh, Room on Fire is your favorite album of theirs? Yeah. Or favorite my... album, period? Oh, that's, that's a tough question. It might okay. be my favorite album, period, but I don't feel confident enough to say that right now. Okay. Would you say, like, The Strokes are your favorite artist? Yeah, I think they've they've taken that mantle at this point. Okay, and when did that? When did you decide that? Uh, probably around a year ago, to be honest. Okay, around a year ago, I was like, "Damn, this is like the only band I'm listening to 
daily. Maybe maybe they are the number ones now. Mm-hmm. So they who they was dethroned? Uh, Pearl Jam was number one for like most of my life. Hippocampus was vying for that spot a few times, but that that was always my one two. Mm-hmm. And then the Strokes went from like, oh, I knew is this it to like, okay, I know everything. Yeah, it's just um, sliding in right on top. Am I remembering this correctly? So I believe like over the summer when we drove up here with a bunch of people and we listened to, I think we listened to Is This It, right? In the car? We did. We did we on did? the way back down, I think. Yeah. Did you mention you had like done a COVID project where you attempted to like re-record the entire album or something? Yeah, I, I like redid that? that whole album. The okay. It was, yeah, that was like right as COVID hit. I was just kind of, you know, bored as everybody else was in my house and mm-hmm. falling deeply, deeply in love with the strokes. They had just like, announced the singles for the new abnormal so i was listening to everything like crazy and i was learning a few of the songs off that first album and i just got this electric drum kit i was like oh fuck it i'm just gonna try and learn all of them so i learned all the drums guitar bass and vocal lines for that and like redid the whole album in my basement over the course of i think counting new york city cops it's like 10 or 11 songs so i did it all like a song a day that's crazy. So that was like literally That's just commitment. Like, wow. That was like under two weeks of yeah doing that. That that was COVID times. <laughs> so yeah, that's, just that's true. It was. Yeah. Yeah. How long? How long did it take you to like? Because like, did you know drums and bass and all that? Drums, I didn't know at all. That was always the longest part of the day. I would spend like four hours trying to learn the drum parts, and then everything else came together pretty quickly. Like I, I knew all the vocals and all that. It was just maybe a few lyrics. That I was like, oh, that's what he's saying. Mm-hmm. news to me <laughs> so is that like you said like just being in COVID and like the proximity of the release of those two singles is that like you're just in a strokes mood and so that's why those that album or yeah COVID definitely like um, induced my like strokes coma I guess where it was all I was listening to for a while um I think just kind of being alone and like having to listen to music all the time as if that's a chore, but like yeah. just constantly <laughs> being surrounded by it. Cause there's nothing else to do. Definitely kind of reinforced that where I was just going through like the albums. I, I, I think I did a couple times where I just listened to all the albums in one day, just to, like listen all the way through it. And mm-hmm. maybe that's when I kind of realized the companionship between the first and second albums. Yeah. So then how did the decision to like record them come around? Just, I was just, already learning the parts. I was like, yeah, oh, this would be a good way to teach myself some drums. Will I be able to listen to this ever? Um, I mean, if I find it, I don't care if people listen to it. it might okay. Be like vocal tracks. <laughs> That's it. Did you personally listen to it or is that like, would that have been, cause did you sit, did you do the vocals or no? Yeah. So like, I'm curious because, like, I don't like listening to myself talk. I don't know if it's similar, like, listening to yourself oh, yeah. sing. I, I cannot, cannot do it. The vocals were always the last part of the day. It was like I wanted to create the track. That was most of it. And I did the vocals just to, like, practice it. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, shelve that. Let's not listen to it ever. I think <laughs> I finished all of them. I don't even know if I listened back once I got the vocals done. See, I, I've done this podcast now for, or, like, podcasting for probably this is my fourth year of doing it and editing is the worst part of it because you have to like go back and listen to your voice talk so i can't imagine doing that with singing because like i've made over a hundred hours worth of podcasts and i think i've listened to three hours total of what i've put out and it's just because i've only listened to like two episodes where it's like with big guests where i'm like i'm I think I blacked out while I was speaking, so now I want to like remember what I actually said <laughs> and or what was really said. Episodes that I was on, right? Exactly. Yeah. I was just gonna say that was yeah when Malcolm and I were guests. On no, the it was podcast. it was both of Malcolm's episodes, never a casino. Uh, so, oh, yeah. I, that, otherwise, that I wouldn't be. Sure, you should apologize. Hey, if if I blacked out while talking to Christina, I would not have agreed to you know host an episode with her. I'm releasing a statement on my personal Instagram tomorrow saying because a of twit longer. <laughs> Shrey and I are partying ways. <laughs> well, how many how many likes do you think it's gonna get? Like four likes? 
from the people that lick over from the Raccoon Academy pod. I'll go like Excuse me? If I put it on my personal Instagram, it's going to get like 40 likes. 40? Yeah. Am I posting it on my story or like my feed? Either one. I feel like 40 is... Blast that shit. 40 is too high. 40 likes is too high. Story, story. 40, feed. Feed is going to be like 150 because most of my friends are going to get that it's like satire. How many likes do you get normally on like a story post, Christina? A story post? Yeah. Or do you? Like six. Okay. And so you're imagining 40. Yes. Okay. Cool. Just kidding. Why, how just many getting, do you get, Shrey? One? Just getting Is engaged. It me? Just getting engaged. <laughs> I normally don't because mine's shit posting. It's like me posting a dumb meme of like Joe Biden and like some people get uh, it. Jack. Yeah. <laughs> it's that or it's like, you know, it's all just shit posting on my story, I feel like. Like I have, I have a separate one. But it's like the same content, honestly. I feel like you could find it. But yeah. Anyways, back to the strokes. <laughs> yeah, back to that. Um I don't I don't even remember what we were talking about there. But uh yeah, the strokes. You yeah. know, another time that this recently came up for me is somebody had posed the question, what's uh one of your favorite like three song runs on an album anywhere oh i was looking through like some of my favorite albums like i've got a lot of albums that i would consider no skips it's like okay what are like three songs that just in a row are absolutely phenomenal and this is the one that won out for me it's the first three tracks on room on fire which is whatever happened reptilia and automatic stop which are three like master classes in rock and roll songwriting and something about the th- the way that the three of them just follow each other is, it's beautiful. So, like, what is it about the Strokes that you really love so much? Because, like, I feel like we've kind of danced around that a little, you know, like, you said listening to Reptilio on uh, GarageBand or whatever was, like, probably <laughs> where what got you, like, into it to begin with. But, like, and then you listen to it and you really like the music, but, like, what was it about it that... You know, you know, I hear this answer given when a lot of people are asked this question and it's, it's so cheesy, but it's so true. It's like when you, when you become like a strokes, like mega fan, like your answer to that is just like, it's the strokes. I don't know how to describe it. Like you hear it and it's ecstasy in your brain. Like it's, it, everything feels right. Mm-hmm. I, it's part partly because julian is like a musical genius like certified like classically trained and everything mm-hmm. knows how to write stuff so that it's technically the perfect way to hear things and just like five dudes that are really tight playing together it's really fun music the lyrics yeah. are phenomenal so i guess then that also plays into like when you listen to music what is it that you're typically like listening to it for like is it the lyrics? Is it like the assembly of the actual instruments? You know, like you're saying, like you know, Julian knows how to put it together perfectly. Is that usually like what you're looking for? Not specifically the Strokes, just music overall. I'd say in general, I just kind of listen and like I'll know if something is something I want to hear. Like mm-hmm. you kind of feel it, and lyrics definitely take a while to come to me, and I think that's maybe that also kind of ties into like the delayed reaction realizing how perfect these two albums are together because i'm not paying attention to the lyrics until like my fifth time through the song when i understand the music of it all Mm -hmm. and i'm like oh okay what is he singing about you know what the what the hell does automatic stop mean he doesn't say the word reptilia in the song at all what (laughs) what on earth does that mean yep yeah, because I feel like that's something we, talk, Christina and I talked about with the Taylor Swift stuff is like Taylor Swift, Swift a big part of her thing is the lyrics. Like sometimes yeah. the production is very good. Sometimes it's like it's kind of just accompaniment. I'm, to her I'm a lyrics progression. <laughs> yeah. So like Christina, when you're listening to like a Taylor Swift album for the first time, it's like immediately like paying attention to the lyrics and what's happening. Mm-hmm. When when I listen. You know, it took me five listens to get to, like, the songs that I liked. And it's because the first four times, it's just pure vibes. 
like do I like the vibe of this song which I feel like is kind of in line with what you're at Malcolm yeah I mean I've always been of the opinion and I don't know maybe this opinion Malcolm. is evolving over time but what you I have to be a lyrics what I'm saying you have to be a lyrics girl to some extent because guy sorry you have to be a I was gonna say a lyrics girly I use it affectionately yeah. I know you're not a lesbian to some extent, because you like Phoebe Bridgers. You're telling me you know, she's not a was, lyrics girly? This is so funny how you were talking about how you don't let people finish and they just <laughs> say the point before you. That is I know. exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> but then I realized that, no, because when I first got into Phoebe Bridgers, it was listening to Punisher. And Punisher is a really well-composed album. Like, it's not just it a lyrics is. album. I, I'm still not even sure on most of the lyrics on that album. Like, it's something that I listen to because her voice soothes my brain. Yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah. Taylor Swift on let it slide. uses the same chord progression for like 80% of her songs. <laughs> so Malcolm, while we're on this topic, do you want to kind of explain a little why you are so valid in like your um, yeah, what opinions makes you on music? Yeah. I don't think anybody is qualified to talk on music. It's just But like you you more than Shrey and I would be like, because I can't I can't write shit about music because I couldn't play the trombone at like a middle school level. <laughs> like I can't read music for shit. I don't know. Malcolm, we're giving you a chance to brag about the fact that you're yeah. a musical genius. I no. I I I I wholeheartedly disagree with all of those statements. I don't think anybody has any right over somebody else. To... <laughs> Malcolm, no, hold on. Here, think... Sorry. Malcolm, we're so glad that you joined us today. Tell me, what do you do in your free time? Music. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. What's your major? What do you study? Audio. <laughs> what? <laughs> Music recording. <laughs> what do you do? What do you do for a living when you're not in class? I've... So the point I'm trying to make here is that <laughs> I find more often than not, more often than not, that having like a really in-depth knowledge of how music works kind of tends to take the life out of music. And if you want me to talk about okay. school, I'll go into this. Everybody I know at my school that I like the music they make, they're not music majors. They don't really know what the fuck they're doing. They're just doing what feels right. And they make the best. Every music major I know that makes music writes the most boring shit you could ever imagine. <laughs> Yeah. So they're going it, by the book. Yeah, you're you don't know how like you know the rules and you don't know how to properly break them because mm -hmm. you're in school being told not to break them. And I think when you don't know what you're doing, you're breaking the rules in all the right way. That Are you said, worried you're gonna fall into that trap? What trap? Like the you're writing music and learning how to write music and it's gonna make your music like vanilla. I think that's why a lot of artists fall off at a certain point because you just kind of figure out how you write music. And that's, oh God, I could have made this a Jack White episode too, but it's part of the reason I love Jack White because he's all self-taught and he's always just, okay, what can I do to change this from my normal thing so it's not the same thing? You know who else is self-taught? Taylor Swift. <laughs> not the crickets. <laughs> I'm going to leave in the sound of your laptop whirring on that one. <laughs> That's going to be the accompaniment for that statement. Okay. I do That's want to make that point very clear, though, that like I don't think anybody has any real reason to have their musical opinion rated above somebody else's. Oh, no. So like my, my thing is not that like your opinion is better. You just know more. It's that you can explain it more. Like, yeah. The reason that you can... Talk about the strokes, like to this depth. I, my answer to that was, it's just the strokes. <laughs> I know, but like, how in depth is that? <laughs> I don't know, but like, I feel like you on you at least can appreciate a lot. Like, like you said, what uh, about how he puts together the music? Like, you can appreciate that structure a lot more. Oh, I just know that because that's what people online talk about. Like, people that actually understand all this. There's this Malcolm is an imposter confirmed. I, I've this entire time I've been denying these claims that I have any sort of no it's okay it's okay okay see because so this is this is interesting because what you're saying is basically the complete opposite of uh one of my roommates who I think I've talked to you about this Malcolm yeah yeah uh yeah 
he he claims he has a music theory background and so his opinion on music and musical scores is infinitely better than anyone that doesn't have that which led to him calling uh the score for dune the worst shit he's heard when <gasps> it's like he said this it, was a minor mixolydian he really should have gone with b flat it's like, like it, there's no music theory in it. I believe I know, I understand music theory. There's no music theory in the composition. I'm like, here's a video of Hans Zimmer explaining how he put together his album. If you want music theory, there you go. But also, it should it it's creative and it fits the vibe of yeah, the Hans music. Zimmer is so great too because he also doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Exactly, he's one of the greatest composers of all time, Hans Zimmer. It, Period. Like, you watch the video and it's just like him talking about like hearing all these crazy instruments that make weird and unique sounds and he's like that feels like it would fit into this world that we're creating here so i'm just gonna i'm gonna find a way to utilize that in this and then the entire academy branch of composers listen to that and they're they listen to a score and they're like yeah that's that's the best shit we've heard this year it's gonna win best score and then my roommates are like there's no music theory it's bad it's fucking bad i just feel like Go for it. No. Finish your thought. No. No, I don't want to interrupt. No. After you. Okay. I just feel like um, music is like an organic thing, almost, right? Like, there's music in nature and stuff, so it's so hard to take. And if one of you guys think I'm way off on this, let me know. It's so hard to take something that can be, like, almost anything, like music, and apply it to, like, this is how music should be, and, like, this is the only right way to do music. Yeah. Yes. I definitely agree because, like, that—that's stuff that we talked about a lot last year with uh, when Malcolm was here. Actually, with my two other two of my roommates, where my music theory roommates like music has to follow structure and it has to be perfect and good like this. And then, like, my other roommate had the complete opposite opinion, which is that music has to be a little fucked up and bad in order to be good. And I would say neither of those is true. It's just somewhere in the middle, I feel like. Right? Everyone's got a type when it comes to music, and that's fine. It's hard to label what... Love is love. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there is there's no right answer, because, like, you listen to classical stuff like Beethoven and all that, it's all literally by the book music, and it's yeah. great. And then you listen to fucking Nine Inch Nails, and it's literally just noise, and you're like, this is also great. <laughs> Listen to 100 Gex, and it's just, it's fucking Not sounds great. just blasting, and it's like, it's fucking rocks. Never forget the time Shrey blasted 100 Gex in the car when I was like, guys, I have a migraine, and then he turned the volume all the way up, and I actually thought I was going to die. <laughs> this was when we were in the car wait, uh, waiting for other people to go and see Black Widow. Yes. And we had some time to kill, so I put on... I think Stupid Horse, probably. I was going to say, that, that sounds like the one to really give somebody, a, or to really make somebody's migraine. The horse. one, is there one with like, they have a, is it like Charlie XCX is on one of their songs? Uh, she's on, uh. Ringtone! She's on Ringtone, but it's the cover of Ringtone. It's not the actual, they have, oh. they have an album that's like an entire cover of, or all covers of songs from the other album. And she's in that one. I know that one. There's like three that different versions. That one's nice of when you don't have a migraine. They they have a song with uh, Pete Wentz from Fall Out Boy. In that album, it's pretty sick. Anyways, the Strokes. Back Welcome. To I have another Strokes question. Okay. <laughs> Should I go? Do I need to leave you two alone? Um. If you want, for a few minutes. You were talking sure. about. You were talking about how the band. It's like a bunch of good friends that play that play and make music together yes yes did he say this to you, you or did me? i miss it you missed it you missed it okay can you cool. give me like Black is there any drama the with the again. band or like are any of them like related somehow or like like give me a little insight on like the scoop with the band um in the early days they got a lot of shit because uh, a lot of them came from like I don't know, upper class families like uh, Julian, the lead singer, met Al Albert, one of the guitarists, at a like private school in Switzerland or something. 
and they got a bad rap for that but it was like a lot of them were people that grew up in that situation and didn't want to be anywhere near that so a lot of people were like oh they're nepotism babies they're in the fucking industry they got money or whatever that's all the drama i can really say a lot of the inter bandmate drama has been like drawn up by fans over the years because they were on hiatus and they immediately came back and started doing interviews again and they were like yeah most of that shit is just not true like, like what like people, what's the wildest one of the craziest ones is that their fourth album angles they all recorded separately like nobody recorded anything together and they came out like last year they were like yeah i don't know how that one started we because they recorded the album twice and that's where it started but not everything needed to be re-recorded so like if you only need to re-record one of the guitars only that guy needs to show up you know yeah people twisted stuff like that people have always been trying to make it seem like they hate each other don't know why they like make out on stage they 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 very much are good friends (laughs) i was gonna ask because like one direction everyone says that like two of the guys in one direction had like a romance Famously, was there any of that? Famously, the ladies. Yes, very famously. No, but that was just kind of like you don't see it as much, or I don't think you see it at all anymore. But very much in the early two thousands, when they were just getting started and everything, it was like, oh, Julian would sing a line, and then Albert's playing guitar, so he just goes over and kisses him, and it was like, damn, pride. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that was kind of like their thing, and it really off put a lot of people, and I think that's why a lot of people tried to create all this drama between them the kiss and the homies. they're homophobic mm-hmm. so their their thought was like oh they were lovers but they had to be broken up and now they still have to be on a band in a band together no just more no. so people love to create drama out of nothing nice that's fun i was gonna say malcolm you have great taste because i think john mulaney's like favorite band is the strokes yeah and i remember like uh they were on his trench coat. Yeah. They were on were they on his episode of SNL? Is that what yeah, it was? Yeah, so they were on the same time he was on SNL and I, I don't know where you're going with this, but I know No, I was just saying you got you got it all live geeking out over John Mulaney and the Strokes. Yeah. No, I was just saying you got great taste in music cuz you got that. You know, John and Mulaney's also son is Christina also named Malcolm. <laughs> and also yeah, Christina and- loves John Mulaney, so I was like I do. I, love I was trying to do some shit, and then it just became like, where are you going with this? And now it's, I'm, we're here. We're yeah. here. That was, that was a great night, the strokes on SNL. Yeah. I remember freaking the fuck out watching that performance, because they did uh, one of their new singles, and it was, uh, it was everything I had ever hoped it would be live. Yeah. How do you how did you feel about the SNL performances? Because like sometimes I watched SNL performances and I feel like they aren't as good as other like recorded performances. Sometimes I've seen they are from a letdown. Yeah, I'd say majority of SNL music performances are just not that great. They yeah. can be phenomenal though. Like all time, Kendrick Lamar's uh, performance of "I" on SNL is mm-hmm. still maybe the greatest SNL live performance. Although COVID. They really stepped it up, and almost all their COVID performances were really good. Because like bring remote, in a lot of, like no, not when they were remote. Like when they were first having people back, and okay. it was like there was no audience. Like Taylor Swift. Well, because they brought in a lot, a lot of no frills artists and everything. It was like okay, you have to be able to like plug in and play, and that's it. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of really cool performances that came out of that. Nice. Yeah. What else, Malcolm? What what else do you like love about the Strokes? Um, also, specifically you know, about the these two albums, like you yeah, talked kind of like say, about. What are the parallels? Is it like the lyrics? Is it like the ideas of the music? Is it the you know like the music itself? Well, one of one of them overall is definitely just the sound of the album. Like they both initially when you listen to it it's like oh this sounds kind of shitty but then this gets into like audio major territory like you you realize that it's not but it sounds very much like a garage band like people that are just kind of working together and i know the first album was recorded on all of like seven microphones or something it's like no 
you record drums and it's like you put seven mics on one drum you know <laughs> but uh little joke for all the audio majors listening to this <laughs> fucking show, I guess. Because <laughs> there's so many uh, of them. Hey, you're, you're sharing this with all your audio major friends so that, you know, they're going to listen and they're going to oh, you know, tell you how right you're and You're submitting this for your class or... final, actually. Yeah. Yeah. You're doing it so that we get the listener bump, Malcolm. Of course. And, any audio majors you want to give shout-outs to, you know, that you know will definitely listen to this? I Himself. don't know a single audio major that will listen to this. <laughs> You're not going to listen? This far. Yeah. But, I, yeah, one of, my, one of my other favorite things I always like to bring up is, also going back to Room on Fire, is the opening lyric to the first song on that album, mm -hmm. which is, I want to be forgotten, and I don't want to be reminded. And I think I remember the first time that I actually like read that and realized what he was saying. It's, once again, it's like, I don't know how to properly describe it, but those two lines are so beautifully kind of mysterious, but also it goes well, back to that whole, like, it can be kind of depressing or it can be just, like, angsty. Let's get into it. Let's break it down. Let's talk about the meaning, what, like, yeah, you know, what you this. get from okay, those this, lines. This is yeah. our genius section of the episode. Yeah. All right. The so, genius opening bubble. line, I want to be forgotten. Well, first From of whatever all, happened. Yeah. Okay. First of all, if that's the first line of your album, holy shit, you've got to be in for a fucking emotional roller coaster rather than like, the grass was green on the day that it rained, you know? Like, that's, that's a real Taylor Swift lyric. Um, <laughs> that's actually a poem I wrote in second grade. <laughs> Oh, I'm not even joking. That's the best part. I don't. I don't remember what song it is, but I remember hearing that lyric, and I said, "Okay." Tell me the lyric. But anyways, again. we're talking about the Strokes here. What, what's the lyric, Malcolm? It was, I know it's the bass lyric is "The grass was green," and that is a lyric used in a Taylor Swift song, and it's like, I, "Thank you, Taylor." Anyway, the grass was greener is a song from Pink Floyd. Invisible string. Green was the color of the grass. Oh. Where I used to read at Centennial Park. <laughs> The rain part threw me off. I was like, what? Yeah, I, I vamped the rain part. Cause I, it was, I was close, though. <laughs> you weren't that close. Green grass? I feel also, like don't, Google, don't Google Centennial Park, because it's not the right one. She's not talking about a bombing. She's... <laughs> what? <laughs> I tried to Google Sorry, it, and it gave Taylor me a park Swift that was bombed. Episode. They're all Taylor Swift episodes. Keep going, Malcolm. I'm sorry. I want to be forgotten. Yeah, I mean, is that not the most depressing, but also, like, it makes you want, wonder more type line you could ever start yes. with? Yes. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. That would be one of those... What's go. the second line? And I don't want to be reminded. And I don't want to be reminded. Like, just fucking That's one wipe of those... this dude from your memory. Don't let him be known mm -hmm. to anybody. That's She's one of those lyrics where, like... Cutting in. She really wanted to no, no, say no, no, whatever no. she's about I, to say right now, but I had to interrupt her before she got to it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Everyone in my household has ADD. I gotta interject or I'm never gonna talk. That's one of those lines where, like, the first time that I, like, with lines like that, the first time I hear it, it's just kind of like it knocks the, like, the breath out of you. You're like, holy shit. Yes, exactly. Like you sit and there and you I gotta think, rethink your whole life for a minute. I think this goes back into the whole like pairing of the albums too, because it's like, okay, their first album came out and they just skyrocketed. They came out of nowhere in New York and they were just the number one band in the world. And then to start off your second album, like highly anticipated, and it's just, please forget about me. I'm not here right now. Like, God damn. Dude has been going through it. Have you felt like that kind of like vibe or theme has continued in his music? Like, have you seen that a lot? Oh yeah. In recent stuff, like, it's. I mean, there. I feel like that's a common thing with a lot of famous musicians. Is that like once they've gone there, they're like grateful for the success, but also like. Yeah, it, it's definitely an ongoing theme. Even in the the third album, there's a line in one of my favorite songs that's. Uh, I'm stuck in a city, but I belong in a field. Like, okay, he's surrounded by all these people. He's in the middle of everything, but he just wants to be alone. 
surrounded mm -hmm. by the grass green as it was that day in Centennial Park. <laughs> <laughs> so then uh, the other thing uh, Christina said was that like your favorite lyric ever is somewhere in this album. Yeah. Where, where and when is that? It's in the chorus of Reptilia. The lyric is, the room is on fire and she's fixing her hair. Which I find equally as mysterious as that opening line to the first track. Because uh -huh. it's very poetic. Like, okay, everything is going to shit. And this girl is just there like, oh, that strand is a little out of place. You know, like... Mm -hmm. How many syllables is that? Like 10 syllables and it paints a perfect picture of the situation. Mm -hmm. and I, I think it's like genius songwriting. I feel like if you're if you're going to make the claim that that's your favorite lyric of all time, we are going to have to dive a bit more into that. Like why? How did that? you know it was... It's 11 syllables. How did you figure that out so fast? I said 10. I took a guess. Mm -hmm. Oh wow! Okay, that wasn't like some secret. <laughs> that's not like some secret talent of yours. <laughs> no, it's not. Okay. Sadly. It's also probably because he's heard it like a million times. <laughs> yeah, I was like, it <laughs> seems about ten syllables. <laughs> it's like seven words or something. Yeah. So, so why it's like words. that image? You know, over anything else you've heard, like either from the Strokes or anything else. I think part of it is the delivery. Like he is like screaming and crying when he says that lyric and it's mm -hmm. right after this build. And it, it, what do you know? It's also that song that was like, damn, I want to play guitar. Cause it's, you take that lyric out and it's still a fucking 11 out of 10 song. And then you throw that lyric in the context of being in an 11 out of 10 song. You're like, this just, it's perfect. Everything about it is like, it's everything I want music to be. So and it just paints such a clear image in my head too. Is Reptilia your favorite song on the album, would you say? Um, I, I don't think so. Okay. Because I was going to say, I feel like a big part of that, despite the fact that it's one of their biggest songs, and like it is genuinely like a very good song, I feel like part of it, playing into it, would be like because that's what got you into them or what made you start listening, because that could be a reason for it being your favorite song. But if not... I am curious to hear what probably is your favorite one off that album. Um, it changes a lot yeah. because so, for a while it was um, You Talk Way Too Much. That one was like one of the first songs that got me into that album. And it's a very, very simple song. I think it's like two or four chords the entire time. And it's kind of a, just a few lyrics. Like, I'm just saying, oh, you talk way too much, you talk way too much. And it's very similar to that opening line where it's like, okay, like, just let me be. Like, I don't want to be here. Mm -hmm. Which, once again, I feel like I'm repeating a lot of the same points, but it ties back into the first album a lot, too, where it's like, okay, everything was happening, and now it's like the come down of everything. He's just kind of processing everything happening around you, which is a lot of why I like this album. But sometimes it's also that opening track because it was a sleeper. I really didn't, like, if you would have asked me a few years ago, oh, name a lyric from whatever happened, I would have been like, what album is that one on? Like, mm -hmm. did not realize how great of a track it was. And you just, you hear the opening line and it all feels right. I have a question. I have another one. I'm so good at this. <laughs> And I, I do want you to, like, think about this for a second, unless you, for some reason, have an answer ready. Is there, like, an era of your life or a moment or an experience where, like, you either associate this album or one of those albums with that time where, like, you just, like, really, really related to it for some reason? Um, I think Room on Fire... One of the reasons I like it so much is because I can constantly come back and relate to it. There's definitely specific songs that I tie to certain times. Like I remember mm -hmm. when I fell in love with uh, You Talk Way Too Much, just sitting at my desk, I can picture like where I was and what was around me that day and just listening in, like really falling in love with that song. Um, 
It also reminds me of certain people. Um, I'm not going to drop any names here for, for a few reasons. Drop the names! <laughs> for a few reasons, I will not be mentioning names. You two might yeah, be able to okay. piece it together. But, yeah. yeah. We're yeah, besties, one, I got you. I can come back to it in so many ways. Because even last year, I had a few moments that were like real low down. And that album, like, you just put it on. And because it covers all that spectrum of emotions, I can tie it to a lot of different times in my life. I can feel it. I, I was going to say, Christina really went full Taylor Swift fan on that. Like, what era does this make you feel like? What era does this remind you of? You, okay, Swift you guys... the word eras. No, it's also like, that's very much like a girl on the internet thing to say right now. Everyone's like, yeah. I'm in my hot girl walk era. I'm in my wash my hair every day era. Like, I'm in my I'm obsessed with sheep era. Like, I'm in my hygiene era. What? Yeah. <laughs> someone someone <laughs> did just text me today in my adult era. And then they asked me what era I was in. And I had no response. Like, what not- era are you in? Like, what are you focusing on? I- I'm in like the fix- fixing my sleep schedule era. Eating my, my vegetables era. Uh, in my want to be an adult era, trying to be Malcolm. What era are you in? We are all just subjects of marketing, and it shows yeah. so bad. <laughs> Malcolm, what era are you in? I'm in my Raccoon Academy era right now. Play the game. What era, era are you in? Oh my gosh, you guys don't understand. This is why you're you're done. <laughs> Malcolm, my big question, you know, what's the shit about the strokes that like, like the minute, like the nitty gritty, like the fun fact stuff that like, you know, you can't normally talk about in a conversation, but it's like this weird depth of knowledge that you have. Like, oh my, what's the meme where it's the dude in the corner? It's like, they don't know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Oh, I got Mm -hmm. so much of that. Yeah. Um, Some of this is weird because... I know a lot of this from like reading online about the strokes. So I know a lot of like strokes fans know this stuff, but everyday normal people, let me hit you with it. Like I, like I mentioned earlier when I so abruptly interrupted you guys on the street, the first (laughs) two albums are almost entirely written by Julian. Like the songs themselves, there's old demos that surface every once in a while. And you can hear like just Julian on a drum machine, a shitty guitar, and he's got the songs written. Except for track number three in that three-track run on Room on Fire, Automatic Stop. Albert Hammond Jr. gets a writing credit on that one. And I don't actually know what part of the song he wrote. But listening to his solo stuff, it's like, oh, yeah, I can hear that Albert had a hand in that one. What part of the band is he like? What? He's one of the guitarists. Okay. Yep. What other, like, just nitty-gritty info do I got here? Yeah, like the fun facts, the shit, like... Like, do you know what their blood types are? Like, where did I they grow up? I wasn't thinking that. I was thinking, like, fun <laughs> I got something stories. that's kind of an odd, uh, odd fun fact. Yeah. Um, so I know somebody who works at a uh, thrift store in Chicago. Yeah. And when the Strokes were here for their tour with the Red Hot Chili Peppers, I guess Julian came into that store one day while she was working. And... The review I got from her after he came in that day was Julian Casablancas smells like a hamster cage. Mm. It's like piss. <laughs> <laughs> well, piss to elaborate further, he, he apparently is exactly how people imagined him to be if you are deep into the Julian lore, which uh-huh. makes a lot of sense. But also, he went into the changing room to try on a bunch of clothes. And after he left, they had to empty, like, a whole can of Lysol because the room smelled so bad. Which oh normally God. would make me sad, like, oh, damn, this guy I look up to a lot. But no, that's, that's exactly how I imagined him. He looks like he smells so bad. What's he his looks like name? he smells like a hamster cage. Casablancas. Casablancas. Julius? Julian. Julian. Yeah. You got to get some modern pictures. His Instagram is also like the greatest Instagram page of all time. Oh, I saw some weird shit like just the other day about like stuff he was posting. I was going to, I was going to send it to you and then I forgot to, and who would have known it would have been perfect shit to discuss. He's got uh, some interesting hair going there too. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
It's that hamster cage. He's in his hamster cage era. There you go. Oh, do you know any like? Do you know any fun facts about his song with the Lonely Island? Because I know it's it's called like Boombox, I think. Yeah, right? I do. I'm trying to remember the direction this went in because this was also in an interview where he was talking about the Daft Punk song. Oh well, but, uh, that too. I do want to talk about that. I have not been able to stop listening to that song for like six months. It's it's. <laughs> I was so actually good. listening to that album earlier today. It is a phenomenal song. I've been listening to a lot of Daft, uh, Daft Punk recently, and lovely Instant Crush specifically. I do love probably the that most. That song is so cool for so many reasons. A lot. There was like vocal layers that I was hearing today that I had not heard in that song previously. Like he's singing like an octave lower at the whole thing. He's just, but he's like really dropped one down low. It's just barely tucked there in the mix. I know that with the whole Daft Punk thing there, because they were going around like, okay, we've we got this idea for an album. Like we want to do an album as if the internet never exists or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they would go around and they would meet people in coffee shops to talk about their ideas and because nobody knew what they looked like. People always be like, oh, you want to go out in public? They're like, yeah, people don't know what we look like. We can just meet and talk about this album. <laughs> yeah. And I remember reading that, like, they had either reached out to Julian or, like, through a manager or something, and he had, like, a rough idea for a melody or something. So I think uh, there's a decent part of that song that, like, is actually written by him, at least the vocal line. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm reading the lyrics for... Uh, the Lonely Island uh, boombox song. Everyone was out of control. <laughs> I Whoa, were you playing the song? That's crazy. <laughs> I haven't listened to it in a while, but like, just by reading the lyrics, I can imagine like the parts that it's like typical Lonely Island, you know, rap speaking, and then the part where they get their actual featured artists like sing at least better than they do, you know? Yeah, his his singing in that song is unironically like so good because uh-huh. it's Andy Samberg who comes in and he's like, it was a total disgrace. They were eating boiled goose. Yeah, and then Julian comes in and he like actually like Julian, who a lot of people are like, he's both the greatest and worst singer of all time because he's like, there's so much emotion in what he's saying, but he also sounds like so monotone at the time. Yeah. And he comes in and he del- he delivers on that song, talking about old people getting it on in a fucking nursing home with boiled goose. Christina, are you confused? Have you? Yeah, Christina is very. Have cool. you heard this song before? I don't know. I feel like it's one of those that, like, at least within the Lonely Island discography, it's not one that I frequently. Not revisit. a lot of people know about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, it's a shame, call me like, one of them. <laughs> it's a great song. <laughs> <laughs> I think it doesn't have the same shock factor that a lot of the other songs do. Even that, like, despite the fact, like, people might assume, oh, it's because there's, like, a guest feature and normally they don't go crazy with them. But I feel like that's where some of their most unhinged, iconic shit is. Like, Three-Way, The Golden Rule, uh, Jack Sparrow with Michael Bolton, you know? Yeah, I think... It's just subtler in yeah. Boombox. Like, the jokes are still there, and it's kind of yeah. unhinged. Like, you've got Julian Casablancas singing, everybody was wearing fingerless gloves. Like, there's a line about old people making I know that one. Like, it was a total disgrace. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Yeah, let me pull up those lyrics here. Uh, I'm trying to find something... I mean, it does repeat, it was a bunch of old white people dancing. A bunch. Yeah. I just think a lot, or the reason it isn't as remembered is definitely because that it's that it's not as explicit with its wildness. Because, you know, you got I Just Had Sex featuring Akon. And Akon's not like, I would argue he's not as well known as The Strokes, but it's like everyone knows that one. Because it's just fucking completely unhinged and out about it, you know? Yeah. See, like, I'm, I'm looking at his, uh, his third chorus here. Because mm-hmm. the song prior is just like, okay, the music was crazy. You know, everybody was busting down. This mm-hmm. third chorus here, 
has such like highs and like it could if you isolate some of these lines it's like okay this is a real serious song like yeah. okay the music washed away all the hate and society started advancing every demographic was represented it was a rainbow coalition of dancing and then the next line he goes whoa whoa everyone was wearing fingerless gloves whoa i saw a spanish guy doing the bartman i mean <laughs> like that is all the same chorus <laughs> i want to say that that first um that first line that you said sounds like typical lonely island shit specifically equal rights from pop star never stop never stopping oh yeah where he sings about how music can change the world and then you know the the tiny meat gang song uh mm. i forget what it's called but knock bullying it knock it off knock it off <laughs> all that yeah yeah oh here, here's the my favorite line in this song everybody started having sex the music was way too powerful a bunch of old white people fucking like rabbits it was disgusting to say the least <laughs> you gotta know your limits with a boombox this was a cautionary tale a boombox is not a toy yeah. he gives like a crazy scream at the end there i'm not even gonna try to do it but it's like he's up there no you gotta try now box is not a toy yeah just move a bit away from the mic and give it a, give it a shot you know don't blow i'm scared that was beautiful. Yeah, uh, that's why I uh, don't sing. <laughs> All right, well, I think that Malcolm, was. Do you have any other stories you'd like to share? You know about the strokes? Any other? You know? Yes, but we will be here for several more hours. <laughs> well, in that case, uh, anything you want to plug? Where where can people find you? I'm what should we myself? look for? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah, this is where you actually tell us about the shit you are doing. <laughs> um, I don't really use Instagram much myself. Um, I'm in a band though. There's an Instagram for that called Isle Five Band. There's a TikTok as well. Um, there's music coming out soon with that, I guess. If you're yeah. watching 20 Years in the Future. It came out um, most likely. Hope you liked our Grammy speech. We really thought it out. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, a boombox is not a toy. <laughs>